saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated, evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. Today, we will be talking about tips and strategies for helping children with autism cope with anxiety, specifically anxiety that's surrounding virtual teaching, the COVID-19 pandemic, and all of the changes that have been caused in many of our children's lives. I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Eric Storch, who is a professor at Baylor College of Medicine's Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. Dr. Storch is the head of psychology and oversees the cognitive behavioral therapy for OCD program. He specializes in the treatment of childhood and adult obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety disorders, PTSD, as well as anxiety among the youth with autism. Dr. Storch will be sharing his expertise on how both parents and teachers can engage in simple strategies to help our learners who are experiencing heightened anxiety during this time. I'm going to jump right into this conversation so you can hear all of his great tips. Hi, Dr. Storch. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to to be here. Thank you. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I know you specialize in the treatment of anxiety specifically. Um, with children with autism. So I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of teachers and parents to hear about. Um, So to start us off, can you maybe share some of the signs of what anxiety can look like specifically when within the autism population? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a lot of times anxiety is, is re- it presents similarly in kids with ASD and kids who are typically developing. So it can come in the form of, of things like being fearful of separating from a, you know, a caregiver. Um, another common form is, is having a lot of fears in different social situations or circumstances. You'll see quite a bit of obsessive compulsive symptoms uh, that, that aren't just repetitive behaviors, but are, are usually linked to, to kind of this need for, for things being a certain way or specifically to, uh, to certain fears. Um, and then a considerable amount of worry. Now, one of the ways that, that fear and anxiety can differ in kids uh, with ASD is that sometimes you'll get these kind of idiosyncratic fears that come up um, that, that you wouldn't ordinarily see. Uh, so, you know, kind of metaphysical ones like, uh, am I who I am? Um, do I really exist here? Uh, it, it could be one example. Or um, very, very specific fears that, uh, that come into play. Um, you know, like being, you know, being afraid of, um, uh, I had a kid the other day who was afraid of haircuts and, and it wasn't the sensation that, uh, you know, kind of the sensory piece. It was just the concept of being, um, in a barber shop with, you know, hair all around. So you can see those, those more kind of unique presentations as well. And, you know, look, thinking about, where the world is now, you know, I'm sure that there are, I would make a broad overgeneralization that there's likely increases in anxiety all throughout the world right now as we're have parents that are working from home with kids that are in virtual schooling and so much, you know, unknown about the state of the world. So within, you know, specifically that autism population and homeschooling and all that that's going on, are you seeing more increases with anxiety with some learners and children? Yeah, you you said it. What I mean, what a difficult kind of crazy time, um, and, and and for everyone, we're seeing high rates of anxiety, um, but especially our, our kiddos uh, with ASD. I, I think we're seeing you know more concerning rates. Uh, so structures often upended, um, you know, which is, is clearly a difficult thing, um, and. And another area that that can can likewise be difficult is is that kind of transition back. Um, so you know, kids have gotten used to something, and then we have to shift that back uh, and get them back to in person school, mm-hmm. um, or you know, the possibility of change, which could happen at any time. All of these things together, um, as well as you know, the fears um, and the concern uh, and angst that folks have really are, are contributing to having heightened levels of distress uh, in this population. I mean, I can't imagine for some you know, of our students who are used to such a structured, routine-based environment that was literally you know, pulled from them with, with no warning. Yeah. I, I, in some ways, it's sort of like a perfect storm. Um, and, uh, and I think that you know, even compounding that is that many of the supports that that have been in place that have been very, very helpful now, you know, are, are just not there in the same, same quality or capacity. And this isn't, it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, schools or other um, stakeholders not wanting to provide the best possible. It's just sometimes a little bit different. Um, and, you know, when we have to do everything virtually. Uh, so, so all of these things together have really made it a stressful time, uh, you know, for parents and, of course, uh, kids alike. Yeah. And then when, you know, 
put in their parents trying to work from home while run virtual schooling. Yeah. Like you said, it's literally that perfect storm. There it is. So what are some things that, you know, teachers and parents can do to kind of help alleviate this anxiety, to be aware of it happening and help some of these students be more successful at coping through this challenging time? Million dollar question, right? <laughs> the million dollar question. Uh, I, I, fortunately, I think there there are a few things uh, you know that certainly can help. Um, one of them is is well, and I'll think I'll break this down. So so one is let's go with the basics. Um, you know things like uh, having you know physical activity, uh, sleeping, um, you know sleeping in, uh, you know or. or, or you know, adequate number of hours each night, um, and then engaging in kind of pleasurable family you know activities. It can all be really helpful. So th- those are kind of the you know it's the foundation. Um, but beyond that, I, I think there are a, a bunch of other things that that we can do. So first is establish uh, structure and routine. Um, you know, let kids know what to expect uh, and when to expect it. Um, and so. Well, this is difficult, uh, and and we can't always do it ourselves. The more that we're able to achieve this, uh, the better. Second is make breaks for fun stuff. Um, you know, one of the challenges, of course, with sitting online, whether it's school or work, uh, is is you're just sort of stuck there. So take breaks, and during those breaks, engage in, in pleasurable activities or things that are interesting. If we want to start moving, though, into kind of more therapeutic areas, um, there are some real basic things that are, are incredibly robust in terms of their, their effects. One of the first is, is you know, basically what we call exposure therapy uh, when we're doing treatment. All exposure therapy is um, is, is kind of this, this notion of confronting the things that make you afraid without escaping from them. Uh, and this can start with real, real easy things and then progressively go up higher and higher. For example, if you had a parent who was, I'm sorry, a child who was afraid of separating from their parent, um, uh, the, what the parents could do is actually progressively have uh, longer and longer separations from the child uh, that's paired with a reward, like a favorite you know, food or candy or so on, uh, or special playtime with mom or dad. But the idea is, again, to kind of facing those fears um, in a step-by-step fashion. Now, another part that can be really helpful um, is, is to, you know, just kind of challenge uh, anxious thoughts. You know, use logic uh, in terms of, of trying to, you know, teach kiddos how to respond um, to anxious thoughts in a, a way that, you know, corrects them and replaces them with a more adaptive thought. Those two kind of core components are really what, what are central um, to uh, uh, doing cognitive behavioral therapy with kids with anxiety, whether or not uh, they're on the spectrum. Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, those are great suggestions. And I was, as you were talking, thinking about several emails and messages that I've gotten from parents over the last few weeks and months, really, about children and students that have had you know, specific anxiety related to COVID-19 and to getting sick and kind of that whole world, which I'm sure many of us are dealing with at some level. Um, can strategies like that be used specifically with this you know, stress about getting sick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with I think the the cognitive approach, it's it's being you know sort of uh, rational with it all for this. So it is stressful. Um, there there is understandable anxiety about the uncertainty and the potential outcomes, uh, but there are also things that we can do uh, to maintain safety. Um, you know, of ourselves and others. And so focusing on on that aspect of control and and kind of the objective reality um, of the situation can really be helpful. Um, what we know about anxious thoughts is that they tend to kind of run this course of the worst thing's going to happen. It's going to happen every time. Um, and I'm going to be completely incapable of dealing with it. And so what we want to do is, is kind of identify those thoughts and then correct them. On the behavioral front, uh, we also want to kind of get rid of the excess. For example, I had a kid who uh, they insisted that anything coming into the house was cleaned. Um, and so they would, you know, have everyone uh, kind of, you know, sponging down different boxes or groceries or what have you. But we know that that's not necessary. Um, and so what we started doing is are these experiments, these tests of well, what happens if you bring in a can of corn? Um, does everyone get sick? Well, no. Okay. Well, that, that's good information. Let's step it up. Let's bring in a whole bag of groceries and see what happens. So, okay. Nothing. All right. Let's move further. Um, and so those kind of, again, two components can be really helpful for dealing with uh, anxiety, whether it's COVID related or just in general. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Starting to show like, you know, it's almost like the holes in the argument of like, no, actually this might be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there was a, an old um, uh, mental health clinician um, who who once said, you know, that uh, insight in and of itself isn't enough uh, to do anything but cure ignorance. Um, the the key to it is behavioral experience, and, and the whole kind of meaning behind that, you know, that paraphrase uh, is is that we need to to kind of see for ourselves. We need to test out things. And so if we have a parent just tell a kid, you know, no, 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 you don't need to worry. Um, that's one thing, but, but we need to be able to kind of engage with the world uh, in order to really, really feel it and learn from it. Yeah. And I can imagine a lot of kids, you know, both on the spectrum and not on the spectrum are going to really struggle with the, the back and forth of this year. You know, we're in person, we're virtual, we're in person, we're virtual, my daughter started out the school in person and a month later she had two weeks virtual and then she was back one day. So it's like, it's going to be, I think that back and forth for quite a bit of students. 
And how can teachers kind of help support kids in this back and forth when we're kind of starting to develop that anxiety of like, oh, now I'm at school versus now I'm at home and, and work with parents on starting some of allowing some of these behavioral experiences? Mm-hmm. Uh, first, uh, you know, bless our teachers' hearts. They're incredible. And this is not what anyone signed up for, either as a learner or uh, an educator. Um, I think it, one way, way that I would, you know, counsel both parents and teachers is is to appreciate that it, it ultimately it's going to be okay. Kids are resilient. Um, uh, they will, you know, persevere through all of this. And and you know, if, and as long as we do our best, um, okay, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other is is to be mindful of how we we sort of tend to judge ourselves. Uh, a lot of times I think that comes in a black and white fashion where, you know, if it's not perfect, then it's garbage. And, and that's, you know, not really the case. Uh, you know, I think when, you know, while education may not be the same as before, it doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, completely lousy. Um, they're, they're incredible aspects to it, um, especially for some of our older kids who are able to sleep in a little bit more and, you know, engage in, in activities and, you know, stay focused and, um, and, and so on. So I, I think that perspective can also be helpful. I think for teachers within this kind of up and down uh, framework, uh, trying to set certainty um, as soon as they're able to can be a really helpful piece. Uh, appreciating that, that we really aren't that certain about anything. But I think if we stew in the the fact that we really don't know what the next week will bring, then it makes it really difficult to move forward. On the other hand, if we we kind of set you know our feet in, assume that we're going to have class the next day and the next week, um, then that gives us a little bit of a you know a secure base for um, moving forward. And within all of this, maintaining optimism, maintaining hope, um, even if you can only do it on the outward. Uh, I think that can be really helpful for our students uh, to see and to experience. Do you recommend that teachers kind of be engaging in regular conversation about the uncertainty and about, you know, we that we might go back virtual and there might not be warning? Is that something that they should be talking about or just kind of waiting and seeing? Yeah, I, it's a great question. Um, I, I think with our, our kiddos who are a little bit older, Setting that expectation um, is a good one. Uh, you know, we're, here's the plan of attack. Um, it's possible that this may get derailed. If it is, we're going to put our heads uh, together and figure out another pathway forward. Uh, and again, bringing in that optimism. Uh, but rest assured, we have a lot of smart people whose only interest um, is uh, in you doing well. So we're going to make sure we have a really good plan. Um, and that we hear you in making this plan uh, and that we're, we're there to really kind of help you, you know, move forward in school or education or whatever. Um, again, that optimism, I think, is a critical piece to it. Um, and being transparent that, that there are things that we don't know, um, but we're going to be flexible. And we're going to make it through. Um, and this can certainly be a helpful piece um, and, and kind of conveying appropriate adaptive ways of coping with really an objective stressor. Yeah, that's great advice because I could see, you know, sometimes there's that 
you know, you, you kind of lean towards avoiding things that are more challenging or uncomfortable to talk about because, oh, I don't want to get Johnny upset. He's really excited we're back in school. So we're just not going to talk about the fact that, you know, this could change and then that could potentially cause a bigger problem in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, right. I, I, it's a great point. And, and again, we have that opportunity to, you know, model effective coping um, and, and things, you know, things will, I mean, we'll be throwing curveballs left and right here. Uh, but, but how I see it is there's, this, there's optimism. Um, there will be a, a blue sky uh, at some point at the end of this. And, you know, and, and we'll, we'll all kind of reflect back on this crazy wild time that none of us signed up for that was awful in, in most every way. Uh, but together we were able to persevere. And I was really thinking as you're saying, you know, of teachers talk, talking and demonstrating that optimism is it might be really helpful for parents to be hearing that as well. Yeah, I, I well said. Um, I, I, well said. Uh, I, as parents, I think one of, one of the biggest things that, that you can do is, you know, keep that, that kind of light shining bright. Um, and, you know, it's, Never let you know kids see you sweat um, uh, or any sort of kind of break you know between parents, uh, but rather that that hey we have this under control we know what's going to happen. Um, I think that's such an important thing for kids to to experience from their parents and, and educators. What other types of you know you, you've spoken a little bit on this modeling of these coping skills, which I think is so great and something you know we we should all all parents should be doing for their their kids and teachers doing for their students. Um, can you elaborate elaborate a little bit more on what what other types of coping skills that would be good and helpful to model for our learners? You know, you talked about flexibility and optimism. Is there anything else that could be helpful to model for our kids? Yeah, I, uh, one of the ones I, I really like to think about uh, and try to actualize is is just trying to find meaning in life, and and um, you know there's there are things that are awful. Uh, that happened. This this being one of them, and and sometimes within those awful uh, elements, we can't change them. But it's about changing our perception of them, uh, and and so I think that's one of the the keys here. Um, now we can't change what COVID's done in terms of, of well everything, uh, the loss of life, um, you know the 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 fear, the you know the threat to physical integrity, um, you know economy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but being able to kind of step back and, and also focus on the things that it has given us, you know, parents who used to travel a lot, um, not traveling anymore. Uh, you know, I was in that role, uh, and, and I'm now sort of questioning like why I ever hop on an airplane unless it's going to vacation. (laughs) Um, so I, I, but also doing things that you wouldn't ordinarily do in our family, for example, uh, one of the things that we did for the first three months uh, at the bane of, uh, I, I think my, you know, my poor neighbor's existence is we built a, a clubhouse in our driveway, uh, from pallet wood. And so while our homeowners, uh, association is not very happy about this, <laughs> uh, it was this opportunity for my kids to, you know, start learning how to use hammers and screwdrivers and nail guns and this, that. Um, and then we have this product that, you know, we just kept working on together. And so yeah, I, I th- it was this opportunity for us to, to really refocus on the things that were important. Uh, 
And I, I think that can be one of the ways um, that, you know, that folks are able to, you know, kind of buffer against some of the negative effects of this pandemic. Yeah, that's great advice. And that kind of hits back to what, you know, you said at the start, making sure basic needs are met and having pleasurable activities that are fun and, and leisure based. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. You know, and and thinking about like the relationship between parents and teachers, which I think is kind of another silver lining of virtual teaching is where, you know, teachers are really connecting in, in a way bigger way with parents and really learning what, you know, the good, bad and the ugly of what home life looks like. Oh, there's your sister and there's your grandma over there and and all that good stuff. But, you know, that connection, I think, has really been been built, which is is great. And what advice do you have for teachers kind of helping parents, you know, work on some of these things? Like you said, like model good coping, because sometimes as a teacher, you see maybe a parent modeling something not so great, which every parent is guilty of that, you know, many times throughout a typical day, but kind of encouraging parents to to kind of, you know, expose a child to something that's challenging, like you mentioned, which is sometimes hard as a parent to see your child in distress or, or give those breaks for fun or add in that structure and routine. How can, how can teachers kind of coach parents in that direction? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the ways that's been harder for teachers, um, among the many, uh, is, is that that normal opportunity for interaction that you may to, you know, frequently have just isn't there. Um, and so, you know, I, I think what that challenges teachers to do is, you know, set up additional times to, to come meet, to connect, um, and, and try to provide feedback, you know, Hey, uh, we were having a conversation earlier today about, uh, how do you provide guidance about what's an acceptable learning environment? Um, you know, what is it? Uh, you know, cause we had one, you know, one kiddo who had TV in the background, another sibling at, you know, uh, learning on their laptop and it's like this poor kid couldn't learn a mm-hmm. thing. So I think, you know, taking those kind of, you know, after hours, uh, moments, um, setting up a, a zoom call with a parent and, and giving some gentle feedback, um, and doing it in a way where you're, you're acknowledging the difficulty of the situation the, you know, the incredible strides that the parent has made. Um, and then here are a few ideas that may make things a little bit easier for you. Um, I think some of those, uh, that, that type of approach can be really helpful uh, to convey, uh, you know, a couple options or a couple ideas uh, for trying to, to enhance the experience. Yeah, that's a great suggestion to have those, you know, one-on-one conversations with parents where kids aren't necessarily there. And that might, feel like just another added Zoom call to add to your already very busy schedule. But, you know, those 10 minutes talking with those caregivers could really make a huge impact on that child's life mm-hmm. and the effectiveness of your virtual teaching. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I wanted to kind of loop back to that um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I'd love for you to kind of, you know, you touched a little bit on um, what some of the foundations of that are. But for those that aren't familiar with what that is, can you kind of give us the uh, elevator pitch of of CBT? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are lots of, of types of therapies uh, that, that exist in the world. And, and so one of the ones that has received the most support um, and it has been really kind of the, the best studied and, you know, and well articulated is cognitive behavioral therapy or, or CBT. So what, what CBT is, um, 
it's a, a type of therapy where we're looking at the interplay between the way people perceive different events, um, the result in emotion, and then the behavioral response. So in the case of anxiety, uh, what we know about the way people kind of who are anxious see things is sort of what I mentioned earlier. They they see the you know that this is going to be an awful situation. Uh, it's likely to happen, and they're not going to be able to deal with it. Um, now, when you think like that, you tend to feel pretty anxious and uncomfortable. And when you feel anxious and uncomfortable uh, related to a trigger, you try to kind of, you know, ensure safety or get away from that thing. So if you think of the simple situation of, you know, uh, there's a dog. Uh, OK, well, I, I'm afraid of dogs because dogs can be dangerous and hurt me. Uh, with that kind of mindset, I, I feel anxious. And so when I see a dog, I get away from it. Um, what CBT does is it tries to target uh, each of those domains. So in the cognitive sense, um, it's all about, you know, uh, sort of tweaking the way people perceive the world to have more objective thoughts. So instead of the idea of dogs are dangerous um, and they're going to bite me um, and, you know, eat, you know, eat my brains, um, instead it's dogs are actually pretty cool. And sometimes they may jump on me, but usually it's just because they want to be my friend. Um, and then the behavioral piece is really important. So when people are afraid of stuff, they stay away from it. Now, in a lot of ways, that makes, makes sense. So if I'm afraid of, you know, a lion, um, it's really helpful for me to stay away from any sort of lion. But what happens in, in anxiety conditions is that that behavioral response becomes dominant. Um, and, and so people start staying away from things really that they don't need to stay away from. And because they stay away from it, they fail to learn that what they are afraid of happening wasn't going to happen or they could deal with it pretty well. So, for example, that dog fear, um, the person who stays away from dogs never learns that dogs are really pretty fun. Um, and in fact, they may really like having a dog of their own. And so what we do with that is something called exposure therapy, where we have people face their fears, starting with small fears and then progressively increasing over and over again. Now, in doing that, um, we don't let any sort of escape come into play or avoidance because, again, that kind of undermines that learning that takes place that the bad thing wasn't going to happen. But these are the core elements of cognitive behavioral therapy. Awesome. Thank you. That was I, I hope that kind of piques people's interest because I think sometimes we hear thing, you know, those terms thrown around, but getting, you know, a great thorough, you know, overview is really helpful. What are some uh, resources you would recommend for teachers or parents that want to learn more about CBT? Yeah, so there, there are a whole bunch of books on Amazon that, that you can, you know, get one uh, or get copies of. Uh, one of our favorites um, is one called Helping Your Anxious Child. Uh, and this is actually uh, one of the um, kind of the, the manuals or books that we use. Um, and some of our research where we're trying to teach parents to be their, their kids' own therapist. Um, but that can be a really, really helpful one. Um, there's some foundations uh, or organizations that are also extremely helpful. Um, uh, for example, this uh, ABCT.org, the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies, um, or the International OCD Foundation as well, uh, just as places that really you know have a focus on um, trying to provide information about 
cognitive behavioral treatment or other types of treatment for people who are struggling with anxiety conditions. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Stork. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and giving some advice that I think is really, you know, doable for for teachers and parents. And I think that overarching suggestion of of staying positive and showing that optimism is hopefully contagious and will be, uh, you know, very useful for everyone that has listened. Uh, well, it's completely my pleasure. And thank you for just taking the time and, uh, and the opportunity to chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.